Grace Church family, can we stand together and exalt our Lord? Can we put our hands together for our King? We bless you, God. water, I won't go under, I won't drown. When I'm in over my head, I know that you won't let me. When I'm broken, when I'm broken, and down to nothing, I know that you are always up to
to something good. Grace Church family, welcome, welcome to our church family online community. Lord, we thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for those who have made it here. Maybe you can do this. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is up to something good. God is up to something good. Good morning and welcome to Grace Church. We are so happy and thankful that you are joining with, uh, joining us this morning and worshiping with us. My name is Caleb G. I'm a resident here at Grace Church. And my name is Jonathan, and I'm one of the interns at Grace this summer, and uh, really glad to be here. Uh, I'm why we we get to honor a group of really special. VIPs this morning, and those are our high school graduating seniors. Would you guys come on up right now? We'd love to just honor you, be here on the platform. Awesome. God is doing some really cool stuff in our youth ministry right now, and we are just so thankful. This is just some of the graduating seniors, and uh, I am really encouraged by their heart for Jesus, uh, to know the plans that he has for each one of you, that he knows what's gonna be happening in the days and months ahead, and even if some things for you are not real certain, uh, God knows the story, and he's writing a really good one for each one of you. Um, what an amazing group you are. We're really thankful for each one of you. Pastor Joe handing out gifts here. I think there's like a few thousand dollars of cash for each one of you. I don't know what it is. Uh, Pastor Joe, one of our dynamic youth pastors. Pastor Jordy, you're going to hear from later. Pastor Jacob Bentley and uh, Rosie Hartman is just a really great team. And so we're really thankful for each one of you. I love to just pray for them. Would you join me as we just ask the Lord's blessing on them? Father, thank you. You knew each one of these students, these youth, from before they were born. And you love them. You chose them. You have great plans for their lives. Lord, I think of Psalm 1 that I read this morning in our reading plan that talks about being like a tree planted by rivers of water. Lord, I pray that for them. They would be like these firmly, deeply rooted trees whose roots would go down uh, in the relationship with you, and Lord, that you would just do great things through their lives, that they would bear fruit and have impact that is way beyond what they could ever even imagine at this point. Lord, you are writing their story, and we pray whatever the next chapter, that you would show your kindness to them. Thank you, it says in Psalm 84, that no good thing will you withhold from those who walk uprightly. Lord, may they walk with you and just see your goodness being poured out on their lives. And Lord, on this Pentecost Sunday, we pray, fill them with your spirit once again. Uh, wash over them, live through them, and, and we just pray that you would give them strength for the temptations they face. May they walk in victory. May there be an overflow of their lives. So Jesus, we thank you that even when we don't always know exactly the next step, that you're a good God and we can trust you. So we commit them to you, Jesus. In your powerful name we pray, amen. Hey, would you cheer them on one more time? Way to go, you guys.
Did you guys want to do a song together or anything? No, I'm just teasing. No, you can be seated. Have a good one. Thank you so much. Yeah. Absolutely. And if you, you know, if you're a parent, that this time is coming soon, <laughs> even if your childs are young, which if your children are young, we are having a child dedication service upcoming that is on June 19th. That is Father's Day. And we would love for you to come and take part in that. That just is an opportunity for you to dedicate your child uh, with our church family. Um, the sign up deadline for that is June 11th. That is this upcoming Saturday. And we would love to have you come and be part of it. Part of our DNA as a church is that we care about what God is doing locally and globally. And we're part of a movement called the Christian Missionary Alliance. There's 2,000 Alliance churches in the United States and 20,000 more in countries around the world. Next month, we have the opportunity to host about 70 international workers right here at Grace for a week that they'll come and have sort of a re-entry time to the U.S. after serving for a number of years overseas, uh, replenishing for them, renewal, and we have an opportunity to serve in some way. So they're gonna be, some of them are married with young kids. You can help with uh, children's uh, stuff. You can bring a pack and play that you have available. There'll be some other ways to serve. On that Wednesday night, we're gonna have a, a service right in this room that uh, will hear numerous testimonies from what God is doing around the world. So there's more information in your bulletin about that, and we'll be telling you more in time, but if you'd like to participate and get to know some really cool people, that's an opportunity you can take advantage of in several weeks. Absolutely, and when it comes to missions, we actually just had a family, the Harringtons, just returned from a three-month stint in Africa. And if you wanna hear a little bit more about their story, they will be sharing it tonight at the Olmstead Falls campus. Um, they're just gonna be sharing what God has been doing in their life and just how he has been uh, working in, in Africa and where they served. And so if you wanna hear more about that, like I get, like again, I said, um, tonight at the Olmstead Falls, uh, campus, the Harringtons would love to have you and, and, and talk with you guys. Hey, today is the debut of the very first Grace Worship album. Yeah. And really proud of our team. They, this has been a couple years in the making. They just poured out their hearts, their gifts as an offering to the Lord and want to share the, the worship songs that God has given them uh, with the broad audience. And so, you can listen to those songs on whatever your favorite music platform is, uh, uh, on media platform, or pick up a CD in Global Grounds today. And then this Wednesday night, they're going to be, we're gonna have a special worship night, and it's gonna be some of our youth, that some of the you just uh, saw up here, as well as our worship team that put together the album. And that's gonna be this Wednesday evening at our Olmsted Falls campus. Caleb mentioned that earlier. That's a 6941 uh, Columbia Road, and some of you might be going, you have another campus, we have Middleburg, and we have Olmsted Falls, and we have a campus at Lorraine Correctional Institute, and so those are campuses right now, as well as those of you online, really glad to have you being part of our community. So this Wednesday night, uh, we'd love to have you come for that worship gathering. Absolutely, and if there's anything else that you uh, want to get know, uh, to know more about Grace, you can go ahead and check out our online bulletin. Uh, and while you're there, if you scroll down, there's also an option to give online. We are really, truly thankful for your giving. It's, it's your giving that helps us and allows for us to do the work that uh, we get to do both here locally as well as globally. Um, and so if you wanna go ahead and give online, there's an option with the online bulletin. As well, if you wanna give here in person, and there are some boxes 
at the back of the worship center if you want to uh, give here in person. We just, again, thank you so much for your donations. For those of you who are newer to Grace, a couple of opportunities for you to get to know Grace better. Next Sunday, after each of the services in the morning, we have something called Taste of Grace, which is like a 30-minute meet and greet with the ministry staff. Mary and I will be there. I'd love to say hello. Uh, time of uh, just sharing the mission and vision of Grace, like what are we all about, and then some Q&A. So that'll be right in our fireside room. When you come in the center doors, is the first room on your left, and there'll be refreshments. So next Sunday after each of the services, we'll announce that again next week. And then we also have Grace 101. That's our membership class that begins today. Lots of other adult classes. Check those out there online. And, and those of you engaging online, you can just click the I'm new button at our website. I'd love to send you a note. And those of you here, stop by our welcome desk after the service. They've got a gift bag for you. And we'd be really glad to say hello. Thankful to have you here today. Thankful that Jesus is here with us. Not only with us, but the Spirit of God. Well, we celebrate on Pentecost, which is today, what happened in Acts 2, that the Spirit of God came not only to live with us, but to live where? To live in us. The moment you open your heart to Jesus, that the Spirit of God, God himself, the same Spirit that brought Jesus from the dead, lives in you and me to empower us to become more like Jesus, to let us know we're never alone, to guide us. So let's stand together and just offer our praise to him. Team, thanks for leading us. Can we rest in his presence? I see your goodness in the land of the living. Show us your goodness, God. In the morning, before I rise, your mercy's waiting to bring me life. You're arranging every moment of my day, orchestrating as creation sings your name. When I think about the goodness of the Lord, I can't help but lift my hands. I know over me you dance When I think about the goodness of the Lord In the shadow of your hands Rivers flow in desert land And over me I look back and see your faithfulness Never failing Making sure your kingdom comes Always working You don't go down with the sun When I think about the goodness
Thank you for your sacrifice. <laughs> that Good Friday isn't good because of what happened. It's because of what was achieved. That the sacrifice of the blood of Christ now lives and reigns in our lives. And is perfecting us until the day we see Jesus. Let's sing this. Your blood is healing every wound. Your blood, do you believe? It's making all things new. Your blood speaks. 
a better word. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Your blood, the measure of my word. Your blood, more than I deserve, more than I deserve. Your blood over me speaks a better word. Speaks a better word. With a shout, can we declare it? It's singing out with love. It's shouting prophesying over us. Yeah, it's making through the night. The precious blood of Christ speaks a better word. Speaks a Your blood, my hope and my defense, your blood forever covers me, oh forever covers me. us, Lord. Would you move us, God? I love this part. It's rewriting my history. You can make it personal now. It covers me with destiny. It's making all things right. The precious blood of Christ is rewriting my history. Yes, it is. Covers me. It covers me with death. Do you believe in his truth? It's making all things right. The prayers you all is rewriting my history. And it covers me with destiny. Speaks a better word. Speaks a better word. It's calling out. It's calling out my name. 
How many of us have a family member that we want to see come to Jesus? Would you raise your hand? If you have a family member that you would love to see come to the Lord, why don't you look around and look at the need of your brothers and sisters? And we're going to sing to our Holy Spirit because he's the only one that can draw people to the Lord. So let's just sing that on behalf of the who's There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. No thing can compare your living hope in your presence. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of love where my heart becomes free and my shame is earned there's no shame in his presence sing to your lord your presence lord can we sing holy spirit holy spirit you are welcome here Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence,
become more aware of your you believe it let us the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of raise our awareness let us experience the glorious oh let us become It's great to be with all of you today. My name is Jordy. I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Grace, and I have what I consider the honor and privilege to serve primarily with the youth ministry. And we know statistically that, yeah, we love youth ministry around here, don't we? I love that. We know statistically that about 70% of people who die professing faith made that decision before the age of 18. So I like youth ministry because we get to see a lot of action, a lot of life change at such a pivotal time. Um, I have a wife named Kayla and a son who turned 14 weeks today. His name is Logan. I call him Baby Logan. My wife says I can't call him Baby Logan forever, but I think I've got time to work on that. Another thing that you may or may not know about me. If you've been in close proximity or been on a trip with me, maybe you have. If anyone's been in class with me, you especially know that I am a spacey person. Like, uh, my mind is always contemplating, pondering, solving problems, questioning things, having conversations I need to have in my head. And people before social media, a lot of you guys will remember this, we used to look at the clouds and talk about with each other what different clouds looked like. Um, it was a long time ago, young people with smartphones, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but that's what we used to do. And I would be in a situation like that, and I would just be like, my brain would go to, wow, this world exists, like that's crazy. How far does it go? And I exist, like why am I here? And why is everyone else here? And before I know it, 
I would just hear people around me raising their voices because they've realized that they've lost me. And they're like, get back to reality, Jordy. And I, I wanna say that, you know, it is mind-blowing that we and our world exist. And we believe as Christians that God created it and that God created us. We also believe that we are in between this time where Jesus died on the cross, rose again, and ascended to heaven, and then when he will come back and bring heaven with him. We believe that we're kind of in that in-between. Have you ever pondered or wondered why does God leave us here? Especially once you're saved. Like once you've surrendered to God as the savior of your life, scripture tells us that we're forgiven. We don't need to be punished anymore. We don't need to suffer any longer. Why does God leave us here in this lifetime, in this in-between time to, to go through all of that? Why not just take us up with him? Why do we need to go through all the pain that life brings? It's an interesting question. I've always had assumptions. However, I believe that Mark 5, the story of the demon-possessed man, speaks to this very well. And so I wanna talk about that. Jesus, when he was doing his earthly ministry, he got off a boat with his disciples in Gerasenes, and he was immediately confronted by a demon-possessed man. And scripture gives us the picture of this man who he... He's, he's known to like live in caves and tombs and people can hear him screaming and shrieling at a distance and he cuts himself with stones and no one was able to bound him or capture him. And so he's kind of just like this wild creature on the outskirts of town. No one was able to heal him and Jesus encounters him and he, he delivers him, he heals him, he casts the demons out and the demons by the name of Legion goes into a herd of 2,000 pigs, and the pigs run off a cliff and drown into the ocean. The Bible is wild, and that fate likely would have been the fate of the demon-possessed man. And we know by studying the context, and even by the fact that there were pigs there, that the town Jesus was in was a pagan town. They weren't God-fearing people, and as they started to realize who Jesus is and what he's doing, and they just lost 2,000 pigs, that's not gonna be good for their economy, they didn't really appreciate Jesus' presence. So read, starting to read in verse 17, um, Mark records, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged that he might go with him. Think about this. So you're this man who you got possessed by demons, you're living in tombs, you're cutting yourself with rocks, you're just tormented, you're this tormented person who's stuck in bondage and you meet the God of the universe. Like he just gets off of a, a boat and shows up and heals him. And everyone around you in your community, they don't like it. They want him gone. And so Jesus is like, okay, fine. And he gets in the boat and he's actually going to leave. And it's the demon-possessed man. He's like, I found the answer. I found God. And so he's like, let me go with you. And why not? That's where he should be, right? We're supposed to be in the presence of our loving father. However, verse 19, and Jesus did not permit him to come, but he said, go to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. 
What a great response to encountering Jesus. This man didn't go just home to his friends and family. He went to the Decapolis, which is actually a word that described a cluster of 10 cities on the outskirts of where Jesus did most of his ministry. And later, Paul would encounter believers there because of the ministry that had been done there. And so this man goes all throughout and he proclaims and people got to marvel and see God because Jesus said, no, you're not coming with me yet. Go to people in your life, in your community, and tell them about me. And the story reminds me a lot of when Jesus ascended after raising from the dead, his final words were go and make disciples of all nations. He essentially said, listen, I'll be back for you someday, but he left us here as witnesses and ambassadors on his behalf. Once you have come to know God, you have an eternal purpose, a great gathering of Scottish and and, um, English scholars many years ago wrote a statement of faith known as the Westminster Catechism. It holds significant weight in defining our theology, even to this day, and they concluded when talking about the purpose of humanity that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And that's an incredible statement that we're made in the image of God, that we are here as a reflection of God to live beautiful lives that point back to him, to worship him, but also that John Piper says that God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. And so God wants us to be in love with him, to be in awe of him, to enjoy him, and that gives God joy and glory. It's an incredible statement. It's worthy of its own sermon. However, we don't have time for that, so that's our eternal purpose, and that's very true. But we also have an earthly mission. And that earthly mission is so important that it warrants Jesus saying to us, hey, actually, don't go on, you're not going on a boat ride yet. You're not coming with me yet. I'm gonna leave you down here to go through everything that earthly life brings so that you can go. And you can be ambassadors, you can be witnesses, you can be the salt of the earth. There's many ways that scripture says it, essentially all of it meaning so you can participate in the mission of Jesus on this earth. And so we're in Romans 12, three through eight today. Paul, in light of those realities, he's writing to um, believers and potential believers in Rome after the, resurre- after the resurrection of Jesus. After many people had witnessed what Jesus did and they're going around and the, mis- the message about God, it's spreading like wildfire. It's this grassroots movement, basically the people that God said go to, they actually went and now it's encountering the people in Rome. So Paul needs to let them in on some things. And so these people understand that they should be partic- participating because of the great movement that's happening. And Paul says, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. This bodily language, it serves as a metaphor teaching us a lot about God's intended plans. 
you and I, all of us together, are to be as the body of Christ on earth. Scripture tells us that Christ is as the head and we are as the body. So God is present on earth, not just through his spirit, not just through his creation, but actually through us, through his followers. And there's a lot of implications of this statement. Some of them are, we as individuals have an obligation to Christ as our head, of course, but also to each other. Society might be individualistic, but church has to be different because our faith flourishes in community. This language infers that we should hurt when others hurt, that we should rejoice when others rejoice. There's this beautiful intertwinedness and interdependency that we play specific roles and depend on others to play other roles. Like not all of us should be on the worship team here at Grace. That would be really bad, actually. That would be painful. That would not give God glory. It would not look good. And people would probably run. Some of us are great with kids. Some of us are terrifying, and we should not be around kids. We should go for something like the security team, something like that. Some of us are great at hospitality, while others of us, the extent of our hospitality ends at probably cooking things like toast and ice. Like put water in the freezer overnight, it becomes ice, that's all I've got. But perhaps you're incredible at something like teaching or leading others or discipling. None of us can do everything that the church should do which is why the body depends on every single member to do their part. This is an incredible metaphor that we should rest in because it means that any of our action done under the will of God is a literal manifestation of Christ on earth. Like we behave as the body of Christ walking on earth, revealing God to the world, doing the ministry of Jesus when we act under the will of God. In Christ, though he, though he ascended back to heaven, he's not on vacation, right? He's on a mission. It's just happening through us. And so that actually puts a burden that puts an obligation on all of us as believers. And so Paul continues, he says in verse six, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is not meant to be an exhaustive list of the gifts or abilities that God might have given each of us. If it were, Paul would have had to go on a lot longer, but rather Paul is making the point that whatever God has given you, use it. Whatever it is, the qualities that he's given you, the way he's wired you, use it for his purposes. It's so important to observe the hands-on participatory nature of Christianity. It's so apparent in these texts that faith is not just a belief system and existence is not just for consumption, but rather participating in the mission of God is actually foundational to our faith experience. Christianity is not fully experienced from the bleachers. If you're gonna live correctly, you're actually gonna give and contribute and participate and walk arm in arm with Jesus. 
And when it comes to just life in general, consuming rather than laboring, honestly, it's just not that great. If fulfillment is the goal of consumerism, it is actually utterly failing our society. I wanna show you a couple statistics, just kind of pointing and helping us grasp the consumerism in the United States, because we are said to be one of the most consumeristic countries on the planet. According to UCLA, U.S. kids make up 3% of the global population of children. 3% of kids in the world are U.S. citizens, yet American kids consume 40% of the world's toys. 3% of kids have almost half the toys in the world, and it's our kids. And so we, we grow up in that. The average American household has more than $7,500 in consumer debt. The average American spends about 110% of their income. You might say, well wait, how do you spend more than 100% of your income? You take on debt because we're always reaching beyond what we have. In America, someone just texted me a statistic because they thought I'd be interested. Bloomberg just released last week that a third of Americans making $250,000 still live paycheck to paycheck. And I think we can agree that that's not necessary, but there's ingrained in us this constant reaching for more. Like maybe if I have more, that will make me happy. That will be the answer. I'm not gonna go through all of these. I do wanna say that consumerism is not just a shopping behavior, but it's actually an approach to everything in life, and it redefines our general behavior. And so according to Pew Research, in our society, 31% of adults say they are online almost constantly. Tech Jury says Americans spend an average screen time of 5.4 hours on their mobile phones daily. 13% of millennials spend over 12 hours on their phones daily. For that 13%, like, what else can you do in a day? If you're on your phone for 12 hours, what's left once you sleep and take care of yourself and eat? How are you contributing to the mission of God? Even baby boomers today spend about five hours using their phones. And what we're seeing is, despite having more at our fingertips and a larger entertainment industry than ever before, Americans today are actually less satisfied than any um, previous researchable generation. Besides people in a grave situation like a genocide or an economic depression where people are actually not able to get food, in any modern functioning society, as far back as we can see in American history, we have never been less happy as people. It's an incredible thing. Today, over 20% of adults say that they struggle with depression. And I'm not sitting here trying to say that consumerism causes all of that. However, there is a direct correlation. Harvard Business Review put out an article in February of 2020, right before the pandemic, called Advertising Makes Us Unhappy. And they concluded, they said, we did find a significant negative relationship when you look at changes in national happiness each year and changes in ad spending that year or a few years earlier, this suggests that when advertisers pour money into a country, the result is diminished well-being for the people living there. And the reason is, our society, marketing, corporations doing their job well, have created this constant, ongoing pool, this gravitational pool that, that draws us and transforms us towards becoming primarily consuming beings, 
Today, most people in our culture shop and watch entertainment as a pastime rather than create and contribute like we were created to. And this always leaves us wanting. It, actually, it always leaves us just a little bit dry, like there's gotta be something more. And so we assume I need to consume more, but the reality is, is that being a primarily consuming being actually goes against our very nature because you are made to be a creative being with a purpose. Humans are uniquely creative like their creator. Like you don't walk into the woods and, and stumble upon a colony of squirrels that have created skyscrapers and a legal system, and this little squirrel is just painting a picture of an acorn, and it's so beautiful. That never happens. Only human beings do that because only human beings are creative in the way that God is. And so your soul will feel more fulfilled when you are contributing to something rather than over-resting or over-consuming. And this can be proven time and time again. A study conducted by United Healthcare in 2017 found that 93% of people who volunteered over the previous year felt happier as a result. This study also found that all the respondents who had spent time volunteering 89% reported an expanded worldview. 88% noticed increased self-esteem. 79% experienced less stress. 78% felt greater control over health and well-being. 34% could manage a better chronic illness. And, this, and just to kind of zoom in on the early and late age of the early and late end of the age spectrum, teenagers saw a significant improvement in their health and self-esteem. Older people who volunteer have a higher quality of life and reduced risk of dementia. That is incredible. And all of those, like, they're all in the 80s percents and plus for the most part. And I don't show you guys that to say, see, this is why you should volunteer. Those are the reasons you should do it. Do it for your health, but rather to say that creation and reality confirm God's ways. God as our creator has good commands for us that are in line with how we are hardwired. And so life may not be as comfortable when you are toiling to give or to create, but it will be more fulfilling to live with meaning and purpose rather than chase pleasure. And when we talk about shifting from consumerism, I wanna point out too, it's not just volunteering that I'm talking about, but being motivated and cre by creating and striving to contribute, it redefines your approach to everything. Parenting goes from being about protecting and kind of hoarding the people that you love to rather actually launching your kids out into the world. The goal of a weekend goes from resting and tending to chores to investing in your family and your home and things that matter than you, to you. Work goes from a necessary evil to a blessing and an opportunity to worship God. When we are free from consumerism, we usually aren't escaping into entertainment in excess amounts and trying to run from the reality of our lives because we are actually living our own beautiful story. And so in order to grow, it's important that we take an honest inventory of how we spend our time and resources. And so a question that we should ask ourselves is, am I primarily a consuming being or a contributing being? Am I embodying the missional spirit portrayed in scripture or am I embodying the norms of our modern consumeristic society? 
And even more dangerous, am I applying those to my expression of Christianity as well? You might hear this and feel like, okay, I get it, Jordy. You're making sense. It's good for my health. I should do something. I should volunteer. But simultaneously, maybe you feel like you don't have a meaningful way to participate or you aren't qualified. I wanna point out that Paul said that we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. God gives us what we need. He equips us to participate. And so the next question to ask is, do I believe that God can use me in a meaningful way? And it's important not just to lean into your Sunday school answer like, yes, I know Jesus can do it, but do you actually believe for yourself personally that God can use you in a way that matters, that it would be a loss if you did not serve in your local church and community because God has something great that he would do in store with you? If you don't, that's something that we've got to work on. Perhaps it's by starting small, perhaps there's some insecurities and deep-rooted self-doubt that needs addressed in counseling. Maybe what you need is just someone who's ahead of you in the faith, who's been used by God in a great way to disciple you, to speak over your life, to encourage you, to tell you what they see in you. Maybe it's just sitting before God in prayer and asking him to help you believe this and take him at his word. But whatever it is, you need to get to the point where you believe, yes, God can use me. Some of us, I believe, we're on the sidelines because we think, man, if they knew my life, if anyone knew what it looked like for my family, even just to make it to church today, they do not want us volunteering. No way. I think sometimes we have this kind of thought where like, volunteering is for this incredible, perfect people with two kids and a dog, and somehow their house is always clean. Like You are invited over for dinner. You walk past a sink of dirty dishes. You barely find something acceptable to wear that's clean and you get to their house and of course everything's perfect and they invite you in and you know it's those kind of people when they say, let me give you a tour. And so they walk around and they go to the typical places like the living room, the kitchen, and it's clean, but that's not that impressive. The basement, and you're like, okay, the tour's probably over, the guest bathroom, okay, what are we doing here? And then all of a sudden they take you to the hallway and you're like, oh my goodness, and they're like, sorry, it might be a little messy in here. And they open the kid's door, they know it's not, and it's perfect, and it hurts. You don't even wanna look at it. It's like they're flexing their domestic abilities in your face and they're saying, look at it, look. And then they go to their master bedroom and their master bathroom. And you're like, why is this necessary? You have to just be rubbing in what you're capable of. But we think those are the people who volunteer in church. That's the kind of person who volunteers in the community. Not normal people. Those people that are basically fictional robots and no one knows how they do it. Some of you, maybe you feel like your home is the home people should volunteer in. <laughs> You're like, help me. I can't help nobody. Maybe you're in a place, maybe you just had triplets or you're going through something really traumatic. We're not trying to be legalistic about it. There's a time where it's time to grow and really pour into God and not serve. But for most of you, it is your time. And if it's not, it will be. God's gonna take you there. You have been created and gifted in such a way to fulfill a specific function as the body of Christ here on earth. No person can say, I don't have anything to offer. 
It doesn't matter what kind of dysfunction you've come from. It doesn't matter if you're watching this from prison right now. All of us are broken, none of us are counted out. God will use us in an incredible way and we have to take him at his word to experience it. I think sometimes people actually see the the size, the amount of people, the production quality of a church like this, and they assume that we don't have any needs here at Grace Church. And so I put together, I promise this is my last statistic for this entire sermon, I put together statistics on the unemployment problem at Grace Church. I'm always hearing about unemployment in this country. I wanna talk about a much more solvable issue, and that's unemployment at Grace Church. And so Grace Serving Data 2022, we found that looking at a list of all our volunteers, and it doesn't take much to be on this list. You could have served twice last year and you're on this list. You could have signed up and no-showed and you still got counted. (laughs) And so that's our 50% serving at Grace. And that's based on our average weekly attendance, which is pretty generous because not everyone can come every week. So we were very generous in these numbers. 10.1%, we believe that 10.1 of you serve outside of church. We basically applied the number of people in society that serve to the number of people not serving within the church, and that got that 10%. And what's left after all of that is a 39.9% unemployment rate when it comes to serving and volunteering for the kingdom of God or within the community, and I think, wow. I wanna make sure that everyone knows that we are, not, we are not fully staffed, we do not have it all figured out. There is room for you to serve at this church. Grace Church has so many ministries that I would have to cancel my whole sermon just to read you the list. It's incredible, I don't think anyone on staff could tell you what all of them are. And what that means is, the cool part about that And being at a place like this is if you have a passion for dance, for addiction recovery, if you have a passion for international ministry, sign language, teaching English, youth, children's, missions abroad, whatever you can think of, there is a place for you here to play that role in the body and use the gifts and passion that God has given you. And being in the Cleveland area, the same is true in our community. And so there is, there is a great opportunity. You have to conscientiously resist the pull towards a consumeristic approach to Christianity. It is natural for us growing up here in this country or spending any significant amount of time in this country to approach Christianity like we're, like we're groomed to approach life. To come to church and say, I hope the pastor's entertaining. I hope I hear a good sermon today. I hope he tells a story. I don't just wanna hear facts and information. I hope the music makes me feel good. It's all about receiving and none of that's bad, but when the main thing becomes receiving, we become a very disproportional body of Christ with really big eyes and really big ears because we're always watching and we're always listening, but tiny little hands and feet because we're not doing much and God made us to be the hands, the feet, the mouth, the shoulders, the chest, the confidence, all of it. We are the body of Christ. And when we don't act like the body of Christ, when we just act like sheep, which is a true metaphor for the church, but when we don't also act as the body of Christ, we miss the honor and opportunity to be used by God in a beautiful way. And we rob ourselves of purpose and we replace it with consumerism that always leaves us hanging, so we take out debt and we reach for more. There's a time to rest and a time to consume. 
But just as God instructed the early Jews in scripture to work six days and to rest one, and when you rest, rest well, we are to be active more than we are passive. We are to be an active people. We're made to be creative, to contribute. I used to always live in light of my deathbed, and by used to, like literally until a couple days ago. And I filter everything through this picture of myself sitting at the end of my life in a hospital bed, and I always try to think, what would make that person feel like I lived life well? And it's led to some great things. It's caused me to always kiss my wife goodbye. It's caused me to like, try to look at my kid every single day. It's caused me to cram in a lot of good experiences with friends and adventures. It's caused me to take risk rather than just dream, and I'm grateful for all of that. But it's also caused a lot of tension that I feel. Tension that I'm not having enough fun, that things are happening too slow, nothing's happening fast enough. Pleasurable experiences often compete with opportunities to serve the Lord. And I realized through all of this that I actually need to upgrade my filter. And so I'm transitioning. I'm transitioning from living my life in light of my deathbed, in light of what'll make me happy when I'm laying there about to die, And I'm upgrading to when I'm standing before Jesus, when I'm resurrected and I look before him because I wanna look God in the eye and I wanna be able to feel like I lived life on his terms and I lived it well. And so I wanna invite you guys to honestly ask yourself, what is your filter? What is everything what is everything kind of being weighed against? Is it, is it American norms of consumerism? Is it comfort for you and your family? What's, what's easy? What feels restful? Is it expectations of your peers or of your family to be successful and achieve a lot of things? Is it your deathbed? Friend, if it, if it falls short of standing before God and hearing, well done, good and faithful servant, would you make it Jesus? I invite you, would you process through that? Would you think and would you make the decision in your heart to make it Christ? In light of everything we talked about in a practical sense, where do we start? First off, if you don't have it already, find a way to be discipled. When Jesus parted earth, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. It's really hard to be a good disciple maker if you haven't been discipled. And so if you don't have that, find it. If you can't find it, reach out to the church. We, I promise you we have a ministry for it. We also have people that'll help you do that. Second is find a venue to serve. Find a place to be a contributing, creative being that you can play a part in. What's happening there? And third, Find people to invest in because as the body of Christ, we have an obligation to the head. We have a mission that's to go out to the world, but we also have an obligation to each other to care for each other, to spur each other on. And so find people to invest in. And as you grow, may the ways you contribute grow as well. Would you guys pray with me? God, I pray, I I welcome you, God, and I pray that many would as well to convict us, God, to give us clarity on where we're too consumeristic, on where we fall short of our purpose, of the mission that you've given us, the entire reason that you left us here on earth. God, if we're too busy, 
How could we be too busy for the reason that we still need to be here through all the pain and suffering of life? Would you convict us of that? Would you help us to do whatever it takes to live, to live rightly and to experience a relationship with you where we also where we consume but we also give and participate? And God, I pray for anyone who, maybe they have some insecurity or self-doubt and they don't feel like they're really needed or they have a part to play. God, would you give them confidence in who you are, that you've wired them in a beautiful way, that you've given them qualities that you wanna redeem and use for good purposes and that no one's too far, no one's too messed up for you to use in an incredible way. All that means is you're gonna get more glory and you're gonna do a bigger work, but you're gonna do it, God. And so would no one leave this room believing that they don't have a part to play? Do it in us, I pray. Amen. Can we stand together? of your name. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn like a fire. We speak your name, Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear, over fear and all anxiety, reign dominion God, to every soul held captive by depression, I speak Jesus. Shine through the shadows, 
Yeah, this is a time where we have to surrender. Shout Jesus from the mountain, yes. Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name. Jesus, we shout Jesus, shout Jesus from the mountain, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every year, Jesus for my family, Jesus for my
activated. May you not be passive. May you not be consumers in this world. May you be contributors. May you be the body of Christ. Go and do. All of you have a part to play. Each of you have a story to, to tell. Each of you have a journey to walk where God's gonna use you in incredible ways. And so step into it. For those who would like prayer, maybe you're going through something, maybe you really wanna respond well, but you don't know how to do it, there's a prayer team coming up right now. If you're new here, don't forget to stop by the welcome desk. Love you guys, happy to be with you.